I didn't think we were going to win this game. Not a lot of people thought we were going to win this game. And guess what? The New York Giants, Brian Dable, Joe Shane, Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, the defense as a whole, everyone included in the Giants organization proved us fucking wrong. What do we have to do now? Well, it's not for something that I have to do. Because I'm the one embracing it. I'm the one recognizing it. The Giants are for fucking real. Now, will they be a Super Bowl contender? Probably not this year. Right? But recognize that this team is good for the first time in how many years? That this team, going into the future, let alone right now, has pieces... That will be great in a few years. Andrew Thomas is playing at the top of the league as a tackle. Dexter Lawrence. I mean, he's playing out of his mind defensive tackle. Defensive line, whatever position he plays, plays nose tackle. Kayvon Thibodeau. I know a lot of people. And I'm going to compare Kayvon Thibodeau to Daniel Jones in in a few seconds. Now, I know people are not going to like it. But we're going to get to that. I don't want to discuss the draft because there's no reason to it 4 and 1. Absolutely no reason. But with that being said, you have to respect the football product that Daniel Jones is playing right now that he's giving us. I know a lot of people may or may not say it because they don't want Cowboy fans, Eagle fans, Washington fans, outside fan bases, or even giant fans, giant negative people, pessimists, whatever. They don't want them coming down on them on Twitter and YouTube and all this other fucking shit. But Daniel Jones won us this game, and I'm going to come out and say that. Now, I'm not going too far with my opinion because last year I said something and I immediately took it back after the Saints win, which was in week four. And also, by far, this is the best win of the Giants' season. The Giants are one of the best, if not the best, second-half team in the NFL. And trust me, I did say to somebody at FanFest, you know, Daniel Jones, as he gets through practice and everything, he's not really good at the start, but in the second half, he's really good. And guess what? He wasn't emulating his own self. He was emulating what the coaching staff is right now. And we didn't even think that in training camp. We didn't even think that, oh, well, they're going to come out here and win week one. Oh, they're going to come out here. They're going to you know, beat the Green Bay Packers. Nobody thought that. I didn't think that. But Daniel Jones and this team is emulating what the coaching staff is putting out there. What their feelings are like. What the product is like. And if you honestly, honestly, and this isn't just because, oh, well, I have a Jones t-shirt, whatever. I root for this team. If you don't play well, I'm going to criticize it, but I'm still going to root for you. Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, whatever. But if you're a Giant fan or somebody, and I can give a shit actually outside the fan base because it's been so much empty noise for so long, and then you'll have these people finally get on the trade. Oh, the Giants are a good team. Oh, the Giants, you know, finally beat 
a, a team that's over 500. And then somebody commented on Twitter, oh, the Packers aren't a good team. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're a constant contender every single season. Now, the Vikings lead that division, but the Packers will be there at the end of the year. You heard Matt LaFleur say, yeah, Wink Martindale and those guys outcoached us. It's time to put respect on the Giants' name. It's time to put respect on Daniel Jones' name. And I mentioned on Friday in the recording, Saturday, which was the day the podcast premiered, I feel like I mentioned it, where I had a, a Facebook fight with somebody. And Giants Facebook's probably one of the weirdest things I've ever invented, ever to exist. He's like, oh, well, you know, we're 31st in passing, but we're first in rushing. So that's a lot about the QB. And I said to the guy, I said, you would much rather us be 1-3 and and Daniel Jones throwing 359 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. And he's talking about the O-line carrying the team and all this other stuff. And we'll get to the O-line. The O-line actually played very well, which is a sign that this unit, despite them not really having the talent, is starting to gel. But when we get to the Daniel Jones topic a little bit more, honestly, I'd I'd much rather... Have an efficient quarterback and a quarterback who does his job than a quarterback who's on a really shitty ball team, ball club, whatever, like, you know, Jared Goff. He had three touchdowns and one interception, I think, against the Seahawks, right? Did that win him the football game? No. They're sitting one and four today. They lost the Patriots. Jared Goff was awful. So I'd rather have Daniel Jones at this minute not throwing any touchdowns, not throwing any interceptions, but he's getting the team down the field rather than Jared Goff. He throws three touchdowns, one interception, one game, one of the next, it's like two interceptions. So I would take the winning, and I think you should too. I'm just going to be quite honest. Let's go into stats, and then we're going to follow that up with offense prevails in the end of course those are the takeaways defense and their adjustments stock up stock down snap counts and then we'll discuss dj in a bigger circle bigger light stats wise daniel jones 21 for 27 217 yards eight yards per throw took one sack and that was in the first quarter had a qbr 75.2 and a passer rating of 100.2 you look at Aaron Rodgers, reigning MVP. 25 for 39, 222 yards, 5.7 yards per throw, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Two sacks, 53.2 QBR, and 96.3 rating. Rushing-wise for the Giants, Saquon Barkley, 13 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown, as long as it was a 40-yard run. Daniel Jones, 10 carries, 37 yards. Uh, 3.7 yards per carry. Matt Breida had four rushes for 14 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. Gary Brightwell had two rushes, one of them being a touchdown. And Daniel Bellinger also got into the end zone through the rushing game. So no passing touchdowns whatsoever for the New York Giants. And then the Green Bay rushing game. I know we rank pretty low in the NFL when it comes to rushing defense, but I honestly thought in two ways, and you could double-side this kind of and have a double-sided argument, the Giants played well in the end. And Green Bay got away from the running game, which benefited us because, hey, we won the game because of it. Uh, And Daniel Jones, of course. Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 63 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. And A.J. Dillon, 6 carries, 34 yards. Christian Watson had a a 3-yard loss 
on an end around. I forget who made the tackle. I want to say it was a Dory. But either way, the Giants made a play. Receiving game. Darius Slayton, six receptions, 79 yards. Saquon Barkley, three receptions, 36 yards. Three receptions, 35 yards for Walmart Cordero Patterson, also known as Marcus Johnson. Bellinger with two catches for 22 yards. Richie James, two catches, 16 yards. Breida, two catches, 13 yards. Two catches, 12 yards for David Sills. Uh, and then Myrick also had a catch for four yards. Then you take a look at the receiving game for the Packers. Randall Cobb, seven receptions, 99 yards. Alan Lazard, four receptions, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Romeo Dubs, three catches, 29 yards. Robert Tunyon, four receptions, 23 yards. Joseph, uh, excuse me, not Joseph, Josiah Deguara, another tight end, two catches, 19 yards. Aaron Jones, two catches, 17 yards. Mercedes Lewis had a two-yard reception touchdown. Christian Watson had a catch for one yard. And then Tyler Davis had a catch for negative three yards, which I believe that was, may have been that screen pass. I don't think it was, but it could have been. I don't know. Uh, New York fumbles. Jason Pinnock had the ball go off his foot, but luckily it landed out of bounds, so nothing happened there. Um, in terms of Green Bay fumbles, Rodgers fumbled once, and it was recovered by John Runyon. That was when O'Shane Zimenez just clobbered him from the back. Um, and then before that, Mari Rodgers fumbled on the punt, and it was recovered by linebacker Isaiah McDuffie. So that was on special teams. Now you take a look at Team stats, first downs, the Giants at 24, the Packers at 22, passing first downs, the Giants at 12, Packers at 15, rushing first downs, 8 for the Giants, 5 for the Packers, first downs for penalties, Giants at 4, Green Bay at 2, Giants were really good on third down, 6 for 11, and that's against the best third down defense coming into this game. And then 4 for 10, Green Bay was on third down. On fourth down, both teams were 0 for 1. Um, I want to say that 0 for 1 for the Giants was that safety they took in the end zone. And then also Green Bay, that one was the fourth and two uh, in their own. Well, actually, no, not in their own territory. It was uh, in the Giants' red zone, and the Giants stopped them. Total plays, well... Guess what? The Packers had 61, Giants had 59. Giants had 338 total yards, 301 for the Packers. Giants had one last drive. They had eight drives. The Packers had nine. The yards per play, Giants had 5.7 and 4.9 for the Packers. Giants were three for four in the red zone. I mean, I don't remember the Giants having an offensive performance like this in a while. Now, Granted, it was mostly geared towards the second half, but they scored on five straight drives. And I can't remember the last time the Giants were this efficient in the red zone. So with top receivers out, this and that, Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, all the offense, great job. Then the Packers were two for three in the red zone. Obviously one of those going, no, not towards a field goal, but the fact that they didn't convert on fourth down. Penalties, Giants six for 63 yards and seven for 37. Um... A lot of those yards that the Giants had towards the penalties was that Xavier McKinney pass interference, which was bullshit. I will say it, uh, you know, from the rooftops, but, you know, it's pretty much a dead horse. Giants won, right? No turnovers, so a pretty clean game. And then time of possession, 32-11 for the Giants. I think they had 20 minutes in the second half in terms of time of possession, which is really good. And then 27-49 
for the Green Bay Packers. Now we take a look at defensive leaders. And you look at the stat sheet, it's not necessarily bad if you're looking at this and then glancing towards the offensive line. Uh, the Packers had one sack, five tackles for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Now, there were like two sacks that didn't count because of defensive holdings. But Preston Smith had four tackles, one sack, a tackle for a loss, and three quarterback hits. Um, other than Adrian Amos having three tackles and a quarterback hit, Ron Reed, three tackles, a tackle for a loss, and Devondre Campbell and Jair Alexander having five tackles and a tackle for a loss. I mean, I'm kind of surprised Rashawn Gary was not there. He was pretty much non-existent in the game now once again Preston Smith did have the sack and he had three quarterback hits but it's not like the Giants were hit 12 times like they were against Dallas we were pretty scared coming up against this front and the Giants prevailed their offensive line is starting to gel and I like to see that just shout outs to the offensive line we'll talk a little bit more about it in terms of offensive takeaways which we'll get into in a little bit uh Giants Two sacks, five tackles for loss, six quarterback hits. Dexter Lawrence. This guy, and I said it on Twitter, needs to get the respect that Andrew Thomas is getting. Now, obviously, Thomas is a little bit more established in his craft. But Dexter Lawrence really isn't recognized across the league. You look at Kenny Clark, right? You think he's like a top 10 guy, top 3 guy. Uh, Aaron Donald obviously gets the feet because he can work any double team well Dexter Lawrence should be up there because defensive line play especially in the interior is hard to recognize if you're just looking at sacks and tackles if you're looking at hurries if you're looking at run stops if you're looking at double teams uh you're not you're going to recognize Dexter Lawrence and he has been a great player the last two weeks and there's a lot of people questioning well you know uh he did it against a Bears maligned O-line. Can he do it against the Packers O-line? And going back to the interview with Paul Noonan, he said, look, Royce Newman is definitely vulnerable to anything coming from the inside and just general pass rush. And we were talking on length about, well, where's Elston Jenkins going to go? Are they going to play Royce Newman? Well, they played Royce Newman, and guess what? On third down and I think it was third down and medium, maybe even third down and a little bit longer. Dexter Lawrence took three points off the board from the Packers. And I think that's where the momentum shifted for the New York Giants and where the game kind of just shifted in another direction because Dexter Lawrence made that play. So my hats are off to you. And I know a lot of people were coming in this year questioning, well, is Dexter Lawrence going to be a better player? Is he just going to do things differently? Is he going to learn some new techniques? He might be the best player on defense right now. And I don't think many Giants fans would doubt that. O'Shane Zimenez, two tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, and a quarterback hit. Um, you know, he was very instrumental in the passing game. And that big forced fumble, because Rodgers likes to do Hail Marys. He likes to just air it out and see if any of the receivers would catch it. First of all, we'll talk about Kayvon Thibodeau later on. But the fact that Thibodeau just swooped inside of the left tackle number 73 uh, I want to say it may have been Josh, uh, Yoshi Nyman Josh Nyman whatever the hell his name is uh, but he just swooped inside him and Rodgers really had to come out he comes back in boom he's hit from behind by Ocean Zimenez now they did pick up the fumble but guess what no time was left so the Giants automatically won the football game um, so shouts to Ocean Zimenez Jihad Ward man I mean I cannot stop watching 
that Instagram video of him, you know, partying with the guys in the locker room and Wink doing this. I mean, you know, he's just a fun guy to have around. He's one of the guys, and I called it out earlier in the year. Uh, you know, we finally have a system guy who's working. Kareem Martin and Danny Shelton didn't work out for the past two regimes. And they didn't play well. Jahad Ward is playing well. He's doing what he is supposed to do. Take Crowder, three tackles, attack for loss. I didn't really recognize him too much. That tackle for loss was big. Uh, that might have been the one that Tyler Davis. Nick Williams, three tackles and a quarterback hit. I thought he played well. Dane Belton, a tackle and a quarterback hit. I mean, he's going to be good with blitzing. He's going to be very instrumental against the Ravens. Uh, Julian Love, seven tackles and a tackle for a loss. I thought he played well. And then Adoree Jackson, six tackles and a tackle for a loss. We'll see how long he's out, of course. Let's talk about the offense before we get to the defense. I'm going to skip Daniel Jones because we have a big uh, segment at the end talking about Daniel Jones and some other things as well. Saquon with another game over 100 scrimmage yards. Brightwell with his first rushing touchdown. Saquon is a great running back in this league. Um, And I know his most impressive games were a few before this one. And this really wasn't too impressive. But it is impressive that 70 rushing yards... And the yards he got in the receiving game still equated over 100 scrimmage yards. And that's his lowest performance of the season. Because he still got some memorable yards against the Panthers. He still got some great yards against the Titans. The Cowboys. The Bears. So, overall, it's not that disappointing. And let me say this about Saquon before we go to Brightwell and just to cover up on Breida as well. It shows you that this coaching staff means the world to these players. Daniel Jones, right, he had a sprained ankle. Wanted to come back in the game so fucking bad against the Bears. And he did on a limited basis. Saquon Barkley had a shoulder injury. Was tackled by Devondre Campbell. And he was He was hurting. And I'm like, oh no, Saquon's injured. So then, we get these reports over the broadcast from Kevin Kugler saying, well, they kind of had to take Saquon's helmet off and shove him into the injury tent because he wanted to go back on the field so bad. And that when they took him to the locker room and said he was okay to play, he sprinted out there. And guess what? He came back on the field just in time For the New York football fucking Giants to win the game. And he scored the game-winning touchdown. So nothing but respect should be given to Saquon Barkley. Fuck this shit about the mascot, Will, you scumbag on Twitter. I don't don't care if, uh, you know, he, he sees this or not. Because guess what? The Giants are a winning football team. And Saquon is proving a lot of people wrong. He's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the NFL. Now, if he's still under consideration for the award of Comeback Player of the Year, definitely mark him down for a candidate. I would vote for him. I don't know that the other NFL geeks would, but put him in the put him in the markings. I also found it very exciting that Gary Brightwell got his first rushing touchdown. It's usually a weird thing with late-round running backs for the Giants where they wait a year to get themselves into the end zone, but I'm happy for Brightwell. 
Uh, he showed us some really nice stuff in the preseason. He had a big run. I think it was either against the Bears or the Panthers. I think it was against the Panthers where he just exploded as a fullback. Um, I would definitely love to see him a little bit more than what they've put out. But obviously with Saquon Barkley, you don't want to limit his time on the field just to get others and you know snap percentages. So shots to Gary Brightwell, man. And then Brita had a really nice block on um, the Saquon Barkley Wildcat run. And he also caught a nice pass to move the sticks. They really started that 90-yard touchdown drive for the Giants. So shots to Matt Brita. He's been... You know, after the preseason, we're like, oh, is Matt Breda actually going to be on this roster? He's on the roster, and guess what? He's producing as a backup. And I'm going to talk about somebody who that needs to get a little more attention. I think he's got enough attention in the Giants fan base. But this guy really doesn't have too much attention outside the fan base. And I think people need to start picking up on him more because he can do a lot of different things. He can do both things that equate to his position. That's Daniel Bellinger. Bellinger has been the best offensive player, not named Saquon Barkley in terms of his skill set. I'm not talking about Daniel Jones. I'm not talking about Andrew Thomas and their skill sets. They have their own defined skill sets for their position. And I know we'll talk about Darius Slate in a minute because I'm very excited to talk about him and what he did during the game. But Daniel Bellinger, I don't think has dropped a pass this season. He's been a fine blocker. This is a guy that's coming from fucking San Diego State. He's not coming from Bama. He's not coming from fucking Texas. He's not coming from Mississippi State. He's not coming from Georgia. He's coming from San Diego fucking State. And we were wondering, well, is this guy, you know, he's going to be ready for the NFL? Is is there going to be a role for him? And I was questionable in week one. I'm like, well, they really didn't include him in the game plan, did they? But obviously you're running. Uh game was mostly featured and he was a blocker but guess what over these last few weeks he stepped it up two total touchdowns one of the rushing game and you know as many people have mentioned Evan Ingram has gotten that reverse multiple times and sometimes he hasn't even scored on that Daniel Bellinger had the option to throw it to Daniel Jones and he didn't throw it because he was covered he kind of had the option to throw to Tanner Hudson but instead he just took it and he broke a tackle. I think it was Dean Lowry who tried making the tackle. He broke a tackle right in the end zone for the first Giants score. And that's when you felt, okay, you know, the Giants are in this still. And let me just make it clear on the record. A lot of people on Twitter were giving up on the game within the first two quarters. Ah, oh, this game's going to be another blowout. The game's over. I never felt that way about this game. No matter what. I never felt that way about the game. I said to my brother at halftime when I was making my chicken empanada before I had to go to work, this game ain't over. I don't know why people are saying it is. This game ain't over. And guess what? It's not. And it wasn't over at that point. But back to Bellinger. He's been all reliable. Every single game after the Panthers game, he's been all reliable, and he's been that security blanket for Daniel Jones. I believe he has yet to drop a pass. Let's take a look at that, right? Daniel Bellinger. Let's take a look. We're going to look this up live. If someone would give me some stats. Okay, so Bellinger. Okay, they're giving me college stats. It's really being annoying here. How about this? We go with this round. Daniel Bellinger. Okay, does he have a drop on the season, you ask? No. He has an 83.3 catch percentage. 
So some of them obviously were, you know, Daniel Jones missing him or whatever. But he's got a zero drop percentage. And you know what's more fascinating about Daniel Bellinger? Is the fact that he's taking care of a lot of blocks this season. When was the last time, other than Caden Smith, that we had a guy who not only was a reliable pass catcher, but he was a reliable blocker as well. I can't necessarily go back more than, you know, less than five years actually. Because we have to go way fucking back for that shit. He is all reliable and I think people need to start respecting him. Now, does he have the Kelsey skill set? No. Does he have the Dawson Knox skill set? No. But guess what? He's got the Bellinger skill set. Guess what? That fits this team. And he's a part of this winning culture now. And someone else who's a part of the winning culture now and who's getting his rise in terms of attention these last two games is Darius Slayton. I've been calling, now I've criticized him in the past, I've been calling for him to get on the field a while. You go back in some of these podcast episodes when Galladay wasn't doing his part or you know he's off the field and David Sills is on the field and... Kadarius Tony was out doing this, doing that, doing whatever. Okay? Darius Slayton. Guess what? Back before the Titans game when the reporters were asking him, so what did you think about uh, Joe Shane cutting your salary, basically? Do you want to leave New York? You know what he responded with? Yeah, Jeffrey Simmons is a great defensive tackle. This is a guy who has been manipulated and has been hid from the gridiron the last two seasons because they weren't necessarily happy with his performance in 2020 because he wasn't the number one and because he didn't fit the scheme and all these other bullshits. Well, guess what? He stepped up big time yesterday. We saw that connection, DJ to Slayton. I pointed that out. Early in the first half, I tweeted it. I said, Jones to Slayton. I'm going to say this right now. And I'm not giving you anyone my... I'm not giving any of all my phone. But guess what? My phone password has something to deal with that Jones to Slayton connection. It's been that way for the past three years. I'm just going to say that right now. Telling you something. Now, obviously, some of you may guess, some of you may not. All I'm going to ask you is don't try to hack my phone because you're not going to be successful. But Slayton had, let's look at the stat sheet again, 79 yards. Now, PFF grades him as the highest. I don't look at PFF at all. They're bullshit artists. It's just fair. They were down in the Giants coming into the season, all this other bullshit. They, they don't deserve to be on the train at all. Please. Kick them off the train. They're trying to use a coupon that expired. Let's put it that way. But when Kadarius Tony gets back, when Galladay gets back, when Wondale Robinson gets back, when some of these other guys get healthy, still stick Slayton on the field. Because defenses will respect him. Hell, he was held multiple times yesterday. And the Giants took advantage of that, and they will need to do the same thing against the Ravens because the Ravens are pretty handsy as well. Now, do they have the threats that Cincinnati has? No. But guess what? We barely have any threats on offense in Green Bay, who's a good defense they held us a couple of times so when those guys come back just remember who didn't say a fucking word and who's putting out his all 
to be on the field. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, just another side note, Marcus Johnson over David Sills. I look at Marcus Johnson and I see Walmart Cordero Patterson. But he's got speed. He's definitely got the catchability. And I think he should be on the field over David Sills. That's just my opinion. Sills is a plain wide receiver who, other than catching the ball, he doesn't give you a ton of skill set. I don't know that he has the speed. But Marcus Johnson, I mean, there's potential if he goes up against the defense, they might hold him once or twice. And once again, he's not a Devontae Adams threat. But Jones is making him look at least solid. And if Marcus Johnson can play like this, he's going to get elevated another week, and he's going to be factored more into the offense. Because the Giants, I know everybody's calling for DJ Moore now that Matt Rule's been fired. Um, the Giants are not getting DJ Moore. The Giants are probably not making too many upgrades at the wide receiver position until next year when they draft a few guys, get the draft picks, maybe sign some in free agency, but they're not making any super changes. So don't get fixated on that. Marcus Johnson put him on the field. That's all I'm going to say. And then before we go to defense, I want to talk about the O-line. The O-line gave up four quarterback hits, a sack. I don't know how many pressures. But something you noticed... Just by the eyeballs. Other than the adjustments that both sides made, the O-line was pretty good in pass protection. It's not it's not like one of those games where, oh, well, well, they were okay. No, they were pretty good. Daniel Jones only getting hit four times against Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, and Preston Smith. I would be afraid of that front if I had the Giants O-line. If I was going into the game, I would do my best to game plan. So shout-outs to the O-line and shout-outs to Bobby Johnson. Now, I think it was Neal who gave up that sack on Preston Smith. But through the rest of the game, pretty spotless, right? I mean, obviously, people have to dive into the film and stuff. And it's not like the New York Giants totally stuck to the running game. Now, by rushing attempts... They had 31, which is more than their passing attempts, but you have to take a microscope into that because how many of the passing how many of the passing attempts were passing attempts, but Daniel Jones decided to run it, right? There was a few times. And one thing I'm gonna call something out, and it's a good thing. They did not, meaning the Giants coaching staff, especially offensively, they didn't expose the health of Daniel Jones to the second half. Because guess what? He didn't run at all in the first half. In the second half, he took off a couple of times. He would run for a first down. He'd slide. He'd do this. He'd do that. Whatever. There was maybe once in the first half where he just went out of bounds. He was playing the card along with the offensive coaching staff that he was still hobbling. Well, guess what? In the second half, after you make adjustments, they decided, you know what? If he feels healthy, we're going to let the ropes go. Because guess what? That's going to trick Green Bay, and then now they're seeing, oh, well, Daniel Jones is healthy, so he's another threat in the running game. So I want to say that. But I would like to think that the passing attempts were more than the rushing attempts. Definitely through yardage and all these other things you could count on. So shout-out to the O-line. Shout-out to the O-line once. Shout-out to the O-line once again. If you guys hear background noise, I apologize. Um, Defensively. Dexter Lawrence doubled a ton. Got a third down sack on Aaron Rodgers. Can't get better than that. I mean, you can't. But 
Aaron Rodgers is extremely hard to take down. Especially from the interior. Because if you don't have the contain on the outside and on the edges, Rodgers go out of the pocket and he could just throw it downfield. There was a couple of times he did that. Um, there was one of the throws that got challenged. Randall Cobb made the catch. There was one of those throws where he just manipulated the pocket in the first quarter. He threw it to Cobb right down the field. So he's, you know, he's, what, 37, 38 years old. He's still a tough guy to take down. But Dexter Lawrence just blew by Royce Newman on that down, and he got Aaron Rodgers down. And the Giants from there just, they just took off. He took off three points, and I think that deserves a wow. Jihad Ward sets the edge multiple times. Definitely recognize that he's been so underrated, so instrumental to this Giants defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, let's talk about him for a second. I think he had nine pressures against the Packers, or he's had nine pressures this season. The old heads, and it's not all old heads, trust me. But I saw on Facebook, I literally pointed out. I literally pointed it out. This guy says, Thibodeau is really looking like a lazy player. His college reputation may be coming to light. What, because he's not getting sacks? Because he's not getting on the stat sheet? You need to watch the film clearly. And there's no reason you have to be angry like that at a player for not getting on the stat sheet when you're 4-1. If you watch the last play of the game, Thibodeau blows by Nyman. He blows by. Did you anyone see the inside move? Now, granted, it's a Hail Mary. So they may be cautious. They may be a little light in the pants. Whatever the fuck you want to call it. But look at that inside move. Look at some of the moves he put on during the game. One of the plays, he just blew by David Bakhtiari. And Rodgers got it out. So, once again... I will say this like I said it months ago. And you can literally fucking quote me. If Thibodeau does not get sacks, do not be mad. Because this scheme is not about sacks. It's about getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And either throwing it away, throwing it into a mistake or whatever. That's what I'm going to say. And I literally said that. I said that, you know, uh, I want to say it was my draft recap. So, for these people who don't look at the inside picture or go out of their box in terms of what they usually go off of, you're not going to have any luck. It's just plain and simple. You're not going to have any luck. Once again, another play you want to look at? Go to the play where the Giants sent cover zero blitz, uh, fourth and two. Thibodeau blows by the left tackle again. So he's going to get a sack one of these days. Whether it's against the Ravens. Whether it's against the Jags. Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Any of these players. Be patient. Evan Neal stepped up in the second half. And he's getting better. He's getting better. Be patient is all I ask. Uh, Jalen Smith was the best inside linebacker on the field. O'Shane with a strip sack on A-Rod. Definitely notable. Uh, Jalen Smith has just been really good for us. I said it last year. You know, he was good. We should keep this guy. They, they let him walk, and then they re-signed him. So he's been really good. Uh, I can't wait to get Landon Collins back, because if he's playing at least with 
half or 75% of the speed he had a few years ago, we can beat this Ravens team. And especially, you know, you need to play with speed against the Ravens and discipline. I think Landon Collins still has that. Now, he's not going to be a Pro Bowl linebacker, Pro Bowl safety, but he's going to be instrumental, at least in my opinion. Uh, Wink does well reserve cornerbacks. That's something I want to talk about. I want to compliment Wink, and I want to compliment Jerome Henderson. Adoree Jackson went down. Unfortunately, he's kind of got the injury-prone bug stuck to him. Uh, He's got a neck and a knee injury or a head injury or something along those lines. I would like, not that I would like to think it, but I'm going to make the assumption he does miss Sunday. Something weird, something fierce. I just have that feeling that he's going to miss Sunday. Aaron Robinson, he may be done for the year. Apparently, that's that, you know, the injury is that bad. Fabian Moreau, we don't know what his injury is. At least I don't know. And maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. The last drive, the Giants played with two waiver claims and Nick McLeod from the Bills and Justin Lane from the Steelers. Now, McLeod did get tested once or twice. He had the holding penalty and he had a catch on him. Rest of the game, he was fine. Justin Lane, Alan Lazard tried making a catch on him. He blew him back into reality. And he forced the incompletion. So, with that being said, that gives you even more confidence in this coaching staff and in these young guys with the next man up mentality. Just say it right now. Uh, let's go into the stock up, stock down. I don't know if I really have anybody for stock down, to be honest with you, because everybody got better in that second half. But for stock up, I'm going to go Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, offensive line. Darius Slayton, Marcus Johnson, Daniel Bellinger. (sighs) Who else, man? I mean, I didn't see really any two bad plays. Like, maybe Micah McFadden and Tay Crowder got worked in the running game a little bit. But other than that, it it just wasn't noticeable. So, for right now, those two guys in stock down, maybe? I don't know. So, for snap counts, let's go into it right here. Uh, offensively, Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Daniel Jones, Mark Lewinsky, and John Feliciano played 100% of the snaps. Ben Bredesen had an injury, so he was out for a snap. He's at 98%. Marcus Johnson played the most of any skill player, 77%. 74% for the over-reliable Daniel Bellinger. Uh, 69% for Saquon Barkley. Obviously, the injury had stuff to do with that. Richie James, 54%. Same thing for Darius Slayton. 44% for Chris Myrick and Tanner Hudson. So you could probably gauge. Oh, mostly it was just rotating with each other or three tight end sets. David Sills at 43%. 30% for Matt Breida. 11% for Gary Brightwell and Josh Azudu at 2%. You take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Julian Love, 100%. Same thing with Xavier McKinney, so it seems like the safeties are obviously playing 100. Uh, Dexter Lawrence hit 90, Fabian Murrow at 83, so he did miss some snaps due to injury, but was mostly on the field. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, 81%. Tay Crowder, 79%. 73% for Jihad Ward, 71% for Darnay Holmes, 65% for Jalen Smith, 59% for Adoree Jackson. Obviously, the injury played part in that. 52% for defensive lineman Nick Williams. 49% for O'Shane Zimenez. 49% also for Justin Ellis. 41% for Nick McLeod, the corner. Uh, 33% for Dane Belton. 21% for 
Tony Jefferson, 17% for Justin Lane and Tamon Fox. DJ Davison earned 11% of the snaps, and then Michael McFadden only at 6%, which is also four snaps. Um, let's get to the final subject and all that, because I think we need to. I think we need to. What does this mean for Daniel Jones? You see Giant fans, and this ain't even talking about organization-wise. You see Giant fans slowly opening up to possibly Daniel Jones returning next year. Daniel Jones is playing turnover-free football. And the problem why people don't recognize it, whether it's inside the fan base, outside the fan base, outside the fan base, once again, it's not really something I care about. Other than just respecting the team, I mean, everybody needs to start respecting the Giants. They're 4-1, right? They're better than some of these other teams across the league. But I talked about this earlier. I would rather have Daniel Jones than Jared Goff. Why? Because Daniel Jones is efficient. The ball moves down the field. He's got three game-winning drives this year, which leads the NFL. And Jared Goff, yeah, he's he's got all these stats, right? You know what? We're going to take a look at something. Folks, we're going to take a look at something. And I know, obviously, you could throw it up in the air with the the quarterback records and stuff. But let's take a look at something, right? Let's take a look. We're going to go look at touchdowns and all this other stuff. Okay. Geno Smith, obviously, their team is is winning. I think they're 3-2 or they're 2-3. Jared Goff has 11 touchdowns and 4 interceptions on the season. I think the Giants are a little bit more progressed than the Lions are. And I'm not doubting, oh, Jared Goff, you know, he's this, that, and the other thing, or whatever. Listen, he's done some good things for the Lions this year, but overall, it's not coming down to a win. I'm taking the way the Giants are winning. And this is pretty much, like, the whole center of the whole segment. I'm taking the way the Giants are winning over a team like Detroit. Because they won one game this year. I forget who they won against. But they didn't win against the Vikings. They winning. They didn't win against the Patriots. Those are some solid teams. Just putting it out there. Um, let's see. Tannehill. Their team is like two and three, three and two, six touchdowns, which is more than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones currently ranks uh, 29th. and it's weird too, because Jalen Hurts has four interceptions. Yeah, it is weird actually. Now that I think about it. Because, and I'm not saying that, listen, Jalen Hurts is having a really good year. But you think about it this way, right? Jalen Hurts has the legs. He's got more speed. He's just more of a running quarterback than Daniel Jones is. And once again, I'm not trying to compare, but he only has four passing touchdowns. And we're talking about, well, he needs to throw the football like this, that, and the other thing, whatever. That was one of the concerns Eagle fans had But Jalen Hurts coming in the year. But funny enough, Daniel Jones doesn't get as much recognition and his team's 4-1 and one. and he's played a part in that especially in the last few games once again I'm not trying to draw comparisons but it's just the point and something I brought up a few years ago and I'll say it now because it's just straight up proven in some of these games you look at 2020 folks the Giants rushing offense ranked 18th and had a big acceleration towards the end of the season right uh, Devonta Freeman, Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, some of these other guys. Elijah Penny, maybe. 
Look at the Washington game and how it started. Look at, that's the second Washington game. Look at the Cincinnati game and how it started, right? Daniel Jones opens up a 50-yard pass to Evan Ingram. He opens up a 50-yard pass to Austin Mack. You ask the essential question, did we get in the end zone and how? We got in the end zone. And guess what? How did we get in the end zone, you ask? Wayne Gallman. Let's look up the stats real quick, right? Let's look up the stats because I like Wayne Gallman. Maybe he's not a fit for this offense, but I just generally like the kid. Wayne Gallman, excuse me, had a total of six touchdowns on the ground that year. Now, also, let's reference something that a lot of people like to meme. Well, Daniel Jones had that big rush against the Eagles, and then he fell. He did have that long rush. That still got the Giants down the field. You know, people like to laugh at him and all that shit. We still got in the end zone, and it was because of Daniel Jones. So let's go to 2020 once again with Wayne Gallman. And I know Alfred Morris is a big part of this. Uh, Let's look at the rushing touchdown, shall we? Touchdown against the Rams. I didn't know he had a touchdown against the Rams. No, that's a first down. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Anyway, here we are. Finally. I had to go to ESPN for it. Um, Touchdown against the Eagles. Already talked about that. Daniel Jones against Tampa Bay. He was terrible that game. Guess what? Wayne Goldman got in the end zone. And he had 44 rushing yards, so you really could tell that it wasn't really on the the running game. Washington, we already talked about. The Eagles, look at some of the throws he made that game. That was one of my favorite games to watch in 2020 against the Eagles. Not the one we lost, the one we won. The downfield throw to Golden Tate. The downfield throw to Deion Lewis. The downfield throw to Sterling Shepard. That was a Daniel Jones one football game. And guess what? That game, Daniel Jones did not have any passing touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. But that's the game they won because of Daniel Jones. Bengals game, talked about it. Obviously, for the rest of the season, he doesn't get a rushing touchdown. But just the center of the point. Do not look at stats because in ways they can deceive you. In many of those games, in many of the games we have won this season and in the past... Daniel Jones has gotten us down the field. It's just not on the stat sheet. And that's why the people, you know, look at all. They they want the flash. They want the big names. They want Jared Goff. Well, guess what? Jared Goff, if you want to associate quarterback uh, winning record with Daniel Jones, well, let's associate with Jared Goff this season. Jared Goff is 1-4 and and Daniel Jones is 4-1. That's simple. End of the argument. If you haven't already, like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. Obviously, we'll have the podcast out on Saturday. More stuff coming through the week. Peace. Go Giants. We're 4-1.